This is The Sharp Angle. Every day on your favorite podcast player. What's going on? Welcome into The Sharp Angle Podcast, our second of two episodes on a Tuesday. For those who only tuned in to the uh, college basketball pod and decided to skip the NFL pod, I uh, was letting everyone know that you know usually we, we, well, obviously we try and make this a daily podcast, but I was in and out of the doctor yesterday, thought I may have had a hernia. Not sure if I do yet. I went to get an ultrasound this morning. And I was sitting around the uh, the waiting room, me and a bunch of pregnant women waiting to get our ultrasounds. But uh, we're back. We're maybe we're doing a couple podcasts in a row. And obviously, as the title implies, this podcast is about college basketball. Let's get excited for some college basketball finally coming back. I've been doing my college basketball homework, and I've got a couple things to go over in terms of how to approach early season NCAA basketball because. As you guys know, you know, the listeners who've been here for a while and who've been listening for a long time, by the way, thank you guys for listening. Keep telling your friends. The show is growing. We really appreciate the support. Give us a like on Facebook, uh, Sharp Angle Podcast, and give us a follow on Twitter as well, at Sharp Angle Pod. But uh, yeah, like I said, we're recording this on Tuesday, about midday on Tuesday. First games are tomorrow. So I will actually end today's podcast with a couple picks, some picks for tomorrow's games, but first some conceptual stuff. How to approach the season? Because as I was getting to, you know, as a lot of you guys know, I'm, I'm, I am I'm do a lot of my uh, handicapping based in math. Um, I'm nearly complete with my data science degree from uh, University of Denver. Uh, I love math. I, I, I appreciate math. And I think that if you just try and pick games over the long run, you will... Yeah, you'll have a couple eight and two runs. You'll have a couple good hot streaks, but you will get crushed in the long run. You have to fight math with math. These sports books are getting better with it. We have to keep up as well. So I love math and I start with math. I end with math. There's obviously certain handicapping that goes into any game you bet, but in NCAA basketball, when I start the season, I actually found myself this year doing far less math than I've ever done when I handicap. Now, I do this a lot in the beginning of seasons for, for basketball, but look, if you're going to do NHL, which I've also been doing, ready for some hockey to start in, what, a little over a month or so? But uh, there's a lot of data to go on in, in hockey, right? There's a lot of the teams are pretty much the same. You have detailed information from last year. You know, a lot of the coaches stay the same. You can trust the data that you get in the NHL year after year to be a slight predictor of what's going to happen the first couple weeks. It's not exact, but it's far better than sports like college basketball because college basketball, you see a lot of turnover. You know, I mean, that's how college sports work. Seniors graduate, players get to go to the NFL or the NBA, but in college football for, you know, to, to compare here, when you lose a couple guys, it's not as noticeable because there's 22 starters, 22 backups. You usually see a lot of the team that, you know, it's very rare that a coach would play all seniors all the time and get these guys no experience in football. Basketball can be quite different. You know, we're going to talk about a team uh, coming up who we're betting against who lost all five of, well, I should say their top five scores from last year. You're telling me that any data is good when a team has lost their top five scores from the previous year, which were on the, on the court the most and played the most defense. No, it's pretty unreliable. So the way I approach college basketball, at least early on for the first week or two, you've got to look at certain things. First of all, the older teams will do better early. I'm not saying the older teams will do better late. Obviously, teams like Duke or Kentucky or Kansas, 
they're going to have a lot of younger players by nature because a lot of their guys go to the NBA and they have to start younger and younger players. That's just sort of the inevitability of it, right? Kentucky now is sort of a freshman, sophomore team every year. So early on, look to fade, not necessarily Kansas, Duke, Kentucky, those teams, but if you get a younger team that's maybe in the middle of the pack, not well-known, look to fade them at least early on when they match up with teams who are older. Okay, that's one thing. I've got four things to look for. That's one. The second kind of goes with that, but look for the experience coming back. Because although a team may not be older in terms of seniors, juniors, they may have a lot of experience coming back. I saw plenty of teams doing my homework for this season that had you know three freshmen and two sophomores starting last year. Now, this year, it's going to be three sophomores, two juniors. If you just look at that in a vacuum, it doesn't seem that impressive. But if you see all the experience coming back, all the big games played coming back, that means something. So make sure to check, is the team old or, old or young? And how much of that talent that's coming back is experienced? What, what did these guys do last year in big games, in, in little games, in neutral site games? All of that. You need to be aware of those couple things. Number three. Coaches matter. And if a coach has been at a program for a long time, you can assume that there's a certain identity the team has. There's a certain uh, flow the team has. They understand what's expected of them. They understand the routine. Now, this year, routine is thrown off, but I promise you, coaches who have been there for a long time, i.e. Mike Krzyzewski or, I mean, I'm just naming the biggest guys again, but you guys understand what I'm saying, that if you've been there for a long time and you establish a a culture that always helps early in the season. There's less for the players to think about. There's uh, there's more of a read and re- there's more of a reactionary type of thing. And if you can be good and reactionary, it's good early on when the game seems a little fast for some of these other teams. So older teams are good. Experience is good coming back. Look for coaches who have been there for a while. And again, this last one kind of goes with the coaches, but. The established offenses and defenses, teams who perennially play very good offense or defense, it seems to translate year after year as long as three of the five top scorers are coming back. That's what I've overwhelmingly found. Now, that was math that I used, right? I didn't completely avoid math this whole time. I'm just using far less of it. But when I was plugging in some numbers, it seems like teams who play very good offense and can replace only one or two of their offensive pieces, their main pieces, they seem to transition pretty smoothly from year to year. Maybe a couple hiccups here or there. But again, it's all about matchups, right? You want to make sure you're getting a good matchup. But Again, the four things, look to play on older teams, experienced teams, coaches who have uh, established themselves, and look for very established offenses and defenses. Now, some of this may seem obvious. You may say, yeah, no kidding, Tyler. Of course, we're going to look for teams who have a lot of players coming back, so on and so forth. And I understand that. It it is obvious. But what's not obvious is when it's accounted for in the line or not. And that's what you guys have to get really good at because... While I may give picks away and give you guys, you know, teach you guys how to fish on this show, I'm not going to give you my secret sauce, let you know how I make my ratings or my lines or things like that. But the way I do my system is, again, this uses math, but I end up spitting out an exact predicted score for each team, which will give me my spread and my over under. You know, I mean, if I predict a team to win 75 to 70, I now have an over under of 145, and I now have a spread of five. 75 to 70. That's how a lot of this works. And so 
I know based on my formula and what I spit out, how quote unquote off any given line is or line should be. So it's much easier for me to say, I think that that the market is overlooking team A because they have a lot of experience coming back, even though they might not be uh, seniors and they didn't do very well last year, right? So you guys see what I'm talking about. Or I think they're overestimating team B because they're so good for so many years, but they lost a lot of their offensive talent last year. So although these things may be obvious, it is accounted for in the line more than not, but it's important to be able to tell when the market is missing certain things. So when you find something like this, an older team, an experienced team, established offense going against a team that's not that experienced, not that established, maybe a little bit younger, maybe a little bit inexperienced, does it account for in the line? You have to be able to answer that. I mean, we've talked about this over and over you know, on, on this show, that if you think a line is incorrect, then we have a an opportunity to make a bet because by definition, we don't bet on games where the line is correct. Then there's no edge, there's no profit margin, there's no wiggle room for us. And now you may win those games half the time, you'll lose those games half the time, but our goal is to win 53% of the time. So we have to find where the lines are inherently wrong to make our bets. And I, I, I think a rule should be that if you do find a line that you think is incorrect, you better be able to say why it's incorrect. And these reasons are something to bounce off of what you think the line should be and say, maybe the market's under-accounting for this team because of this reason. So look for those reasons and see if they're accounted for in the lines. It's very important in betting early season college basketball. Something else that I've noticed lately and with COVID going around, obviously, um, it's it's been you know a, a pandemic. It's a not a very good time for the for this world, and it's you know I'm hoping everyone stays safe. And and there's a lot of negative that's come with it. But if you want to look at one positive for us sports betters, it's that the idea of home court or home field has really been unmasked, and we get to see sort of the truth in terms of how much does it matter with the crowd and how much does it matter traveling staying in a hotel staying in an unfamiliar environment so on and so forth because there was always a great debate we talked about this a little bit on the nfl podcast but there's always been a great debate amongst sports bettors and the debate goes like this which is more important the crowd making noise and being intimidating and being loud or the travel the hotel the unfamiliarity with the whole situation and I'm going to admit, for a long time, I was in the camp that said, yeah, the, the crowd's important, but what matters more is the travel, the wear and tear on the body, staying in an unfamiliar place, throwing off your routine. I always thought that was more important. But what COVID has shown us is that these crowds mean one hell of a lot in these games. Some sports, like football and basketball, I think crowds mean a lot more than sports like maybe hockey. And frankly, I would say soccer, but what we're seeing in soccer is very similar to football. Not as much, but away teams are doing very, very, very well in soccer. And it, it takes away from my whole theory that it's not the crowd. It's the travel and things like that, because apparently crowds have a much bigger impact on games, especially soccer games, than I thought before. But we're talking about basketball today. And while we don't have any sample size or any data for college basketball during the pandemic... I have a really strong feeling that home field or home court is not going to matter nearly as much as it used to. 
Now, I've made, this is rudimentary, but I've made about a 65 to 70% reduction in NFL home field, and I've made about a 50 to 60% reduction in soccer home field for certain leagues. Again, that's rudimentary. Some leagues are more than others, but I digress. College basketball, I feel like we may be downgrading the home field advantage or home court advantage almost 80 to 85%. That's probably what I'm going to be doing early in the season. So that matters. And that matters a lot. And it's interesting, again, how COVID has allowed us to see something that we, without COVID, would have never had the opportunity to answer ever. And this actually gives sports bettors who do their homework a real advantage moving forward because we got to see with our own eyes dozens and dozens and hundreds of games played out in multiple sports. What is it like when you remove the crowd, when you remove one element of the home court? And so, again, 80-85%, I think, is a downgrade for any home court in college basketball, which will mean a lot for teams like Duke or North Carolina or Texas or, you know, these teams who have these great, loud, you know, arenas, it's going to diminish their home court advantage for sure. So before we get out of here today on the college basketball, first college basketball preview show of the year, I will give a couple picks for tomorrow. Picks, picks, anybody, picks. And uh, I've got two games. I will start off with my best bet tomorrow. Man, I love this first bet. I'm taking Clemson minus three and a half against Mississippi State. Neutral site game. Both teams do decent in neutral site, but here's the big kicker. Mississippi State is losing five. Five. They're top five, I should say. Leading scorers from last year. One, two, three, four, five. Top five leading scores. Almost all of their points. Or it's about uh, 85% of their points last year. Scored. Gone. I like Mississippi State's coaching staff. I think they've done a good job bringing young talent in. But when you lose that many guys, it's so tough to hit the ground running. And especially, like you all know, we always talk about this. We don't bet teams on this show. We bet numbers. And this line opened up at three. It has moved to three and a half. But I love this thing still at three and a half. Mississippi State, top five scores are gone. Meanwhile, Clemson, they've only lost one of their starters. There's a lot coming back. I, I'm ve- I, I was very impressed with this Clemson team last year, but here's the thing. Clemson only went 16-15 and 15 last year. They didn't even make the tournament. A lot of people are going to be slow to hop on Clemson this year. They've got lots coming back, as I said. Very impressive uh, uh, offense. I mean, they have guys who can score for sure. But you look at their defense, and that's what's very impressive. They're 33rd overall in the country, according to Ken Palm, in terms of defensive efficiency. There's about 350 teams. 33rd is elite. They're very good. They slow the ball down. And here's the thing. Both teams, both Clemson and Mississippi State, play a very slow pace. Some of the slowest uh, basketball you'll see in all of the NCAA. And that's not a good thing or a bad thing, but what that means to me is no funny business here. You're not going to get some weird game where there's you know, 20 more shots than Clemson's used to taking, and they're not going to be caught off guard. I think Clemson is in a very good spot here, both with their players coming back, nice coaching staff edge, good defensive edge, especially the style that both teams play. Also, 
Clemson's one of the better offensive rebounding teams in the league. So if they happen to start off missing a couple shots and they're not hot coming out of the gates, they're a great offensive rebounding team. Expect more possessions for Clemson than Mississippi State. So overall, my favorite pick for tomorrow, Clemson minus three and a half against Mississippi State. My second pick for tomorrow, and I do like this game, not as much because there's a couple question marks here, but I'm going to go Miami of Ohio minus five and a half against North Dakota. North Dakota losing three starters, including Marlon Stewart and Keenan Walter. These guys were a lead for them last year. They pretty much carried the offense, handled the ball, distributed the ball. All of the offense went through Marlon Stewart and Keenan Walter. This year, it's going to be different because Notre, uh, Notre it says ND in my notes here. North Dakota, I should say, they're trusting a lot of younger guys who don't seem like the... Uh, the prototypical NCAA athletes to step in and get a big win and on the road. And I don't think that's going to happen. I think North Dakota could be a good team this year. I think they have a chance to make some noise in their conference. But this first game, traveling to the Miami of Ohio, I don't think they have enough coming back in terms of the contributions to compete. Meanwhile, Miami of Ohio, they did lose two starters, but... They played so many guys last year. I think they were one of the top teams in college basketball in terms of spreading minutes out. Now, that's bad for your seniors who graduated last year, but that's good for all those young guys who got a lot of meaningful experience. They're bringing back a lot of experience and a lot of scoring. Remember, I talked about this to start the show. It's not just the starters, and it's not just the older upperclassmen. It's how much experience are you bringing back. And I think Miami of Ohio is bringing back enough experience for me to feel good about taking the five and a half here. Miami just has to stop. Miami of Ohio just have, has to stop uh, Philip Robraca for North Dakota. Philip Robraca has carried this team for the last couple of years. He's a very good scorer. He rebounds. He passes. He does a lot for them. He's sort of going to be there. Uh, I think this game hinges with him. He's kind of my key player. But Miami of Ohio will be able to stop him, focus on him, shut him down, and make the rest of North Dakota beat them. So as long as they can stop him again, Philip Robraca is his name. I think they'll have a good chance here. And my last point for this game, the Clemson-Mississippi State game was neutral. Neutral site, completely neutral, no home field or home court. North Dakota has to travel here. And I don't think it's just the travel that's going to affect North Dakota. I think it's what's going on in each state. We have to look at the pandemic and COVID right now and see how Ohio, especially in the area of Miami of Ohio's campus, and North Dakota have been handling things. Because North Dakota has been, probably rightfully so, I've not been there, but I mean... Not many people live in North Dakota. The numbers haven't been crazy. They don't have any real state bans. It's been pretty lax, pretty open. You still want to wear a mask in North Dakota, but it hasn't been crazy. Meanwhile, in Ohio, the numbers are spiking. It's one of the hot spots right now in the entire country for COVID. And what I think is going to happen is North Dakota is going to land in that plane and they're going to see it like a different world. It's going to be like going in the twilight zone. You know, there's going to be everyone taking it so seriously, checking them here or there, where everyone wearing a mask everywhere. It's just a different feel. And I think that going on the road during this whole time, especially your first road trip of the season with such a young, inexperienced team who hasn't done many of these road trips before when they're expected to be the starters, I think that's going to add enough. Again, it's not just the travel. And it's not just the COVID. It's the fact that it's the first time in the year they're doing it. And it's going to be such a weird environment all around them. I think that's at least worth a quarter of a point in this handicap. So overall, we're taking Miami of Ohio minus five and a half against North Dakota. 
All right, that does it for our first NCAA basketball preview show of the year. Hope you guys enjoyed it and hope you guys hit on whatever you've got going tonight and tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, that does it for today's show. We will talk to you tomorrow on The Sharp Angle.